Well, good morning, everyone, and thanks again for joining us uh, here this morning. So here we are, still feeling the effects of the pandemic and probably wondering when things will get back to what we understand as normality. The world as we knew it seems to be a distant memory. Watch the news and you could be forgiven for living in fear of what comes next. Chaos abounds, anarchy in the streets. Will things ever be the same again? Doubts creep in. Is there really a God? Is he in control? Is my faith true and strong like I thought it was? Now, before you descend into deep depression, I have good news for you this morning. Firstly, you're not alone in having doubts. And second, better times are coming. You see, you still have hope. God is still on his throne. Jesus is still our living saviour. And he will see you through this storm. You can still have the peace that passes all understanding. The Holy Spirit has not abandoned you. Our Lord can still restore peace and harmony to our land as we followers of Christ pray and seek his leading. So this morning we're going to take encouragement from a guy who was naturally sceptical, who had significant doubts and he wasn't afraid to express them. There are so many men whose stories we read in the Bible and whose lives, words and actions, their character, if you like, from whom we can learn some life lessons to help us through our present circumstances. And one such man is called Thomas, or Didymus, which means twins. And uh, he had a nickname, or at least he developed a nickname, which many of us still know to this day, and we use it, Doubting Thomas. And it has negative connotations, which I think is kind of unfair. Believing Thomas would probably be a better moniker for this guy. But it's true, isn't it, that we often judge people by one mistake. We never let them forget it. And we never let the world forget it. And from a biblical perspective, when we think of King David, we think of his sin with Bathsheba. We forget what a great man he was and the great things he did in spite of his failure. We think of Jacob and, rem and we remember how he stole his brother's birthright. Yet Jesus appears in the line of his descendants. And when we think of Peter, and I'll talk a bit more about him later as well, we remember his cowardly denial of Christ, not once, but three times. Look what's happening now with Winston Churchill. Some people would prefer us to focus on some view he expressed or mistake he made and forget the epic leadership that he showed in leading our nation and the world to defeat Nazism and racism. Shakespeare said, the evil that men do lives after them. The good is often interred with their bones. And it's so true, and this is kind of what happened to Thomas. No doubt he showed great faith many times. But we remember him because of his doubt. And today when someone is sceptical, we call that person a doubting Thomas. In reality, Thomas was one of the most steadfast and loyal apostles among the twelve. 
And how many times, think about it, have we wrongly judged someone? Now, we know we can say that Thomas was sceptical by nature. He had difficulty in believing a lot of stuff. And he wasn't easily convinced. He wouldn't just take someone's word for it. And one day when Jesus was preaching far from Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, his friend Lazarus became seriously ill. In great haste, Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, sent for Jesus to come and heal him. And when word of Lazarus's sickness reached Jesus, what did he do? Well, he deliberately hung around there. He lingered for two days. And the apostles at that time, remembering the threat of mob action on their last trip to Jerusalem, presumed that was the reason why Jesus was delaying. However, at the end of the two days, Jesus surprised them by announcing that he was departing for Bethany. They protested, saying, But Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And Thomas responded, Let us also go, that we may die with him. That's in John chapter 11. You see, Thomas, no, no matter what his doubts were, his reaction when Jesus said he was going to a place where the rest of the disciples thought there'd be trouble and they might die, he said, well, let's go anywhere and let's die with him. That was Thomas. Another way of looking at his comment might be that it reveals sort of an excessive pessimism about Thomas. He could see nothing but disaster ahead, despite the fact he was willing to go into that disaster. It was this sort of melancholy personality that marked him. But one thing we shouldn't overlook is the fact that some of the most creative people who've ever lived have had this kind of nature. Georgia Harkness, a theologian and author, described her personal struggle with depression in the dark night of the soul. And she told how she came through the valley to find strength and victory in her experiences. In the scriptures, we find expressions of this temperament in Job, in David, Elijah and Jeremiah. So if Thomas was a melancholy type character, then he had plenty of company. And again, when Jesus sought to reassure the disciples of eternal life, the spirit of Thomas was revealed. My father's house has many rooms, said Jesus. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Thomas interjected. He broke in and said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? It's John 14 and 5. Thomas couldn't accept things without questioning them. He was a realist and he wanted to be sure. And you see, Thomas utterly refused to believe the resurrection. 
even after the other disciples told him they'd seen the Lord. These are friends of his. He's known them a long time. He trusts them, presumably. But when they say they've seen the Lord, Thomas said, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, I will not believe. Thomas had to see for himself. He was the last to concede the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Have you doubted? You must have. Most of us have. At some point. The psalmist cried out, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? That's Psalm 13, verse 1. But you see, another thing about Thomas is that he wanted to believe. And there's a difference between honest and dishonest doubters. Some people just do not want to believe. They prefer a life of ungodliness. They prefer to believe life without God is better for them, no matter the evidence. They make up excuses and blame others as a cover for their own kind of dishonesty. But that was not the spirit of Thomas. Thomas wanted to believe and he had honest questions. He would doubt things until he was satisfied that they were true. You know, I spent 2019 looking into the evidence for God and Jesus and his resurrection as if the burden of proof lay with me, that I had to prove all this. But then I realized I don't have to prove this. Let the skeptic prove that he doesn't. I asked a simple question. What best explains you and me? What best explains you and me? This amazing world, the moral laws that we have, the laws of logic, etc. The how and why of our existence. Is it that there was nothing, absolutely nothing, no molecules, no atomic particles, absolutely nothing? Then all of a sudden, Without any cause or direction, the incredibly well-ordered and complicated universe came into existence. Effectively created itself and everything else that we see today out of nothing. Or is it that an uncreated, intelligent, powerful being outside of time, space and matter created all this? Make up your own mind. The psalmist says this, The fool says in his heart there is no God. Psalm 53, 1. And Romans 1, 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And, you know, Thomas, with all his doubts, found sympathy from Jesus. Christ blames no one for wanting to be sure. Jesus did not condemn Thomas for his doubts. Jesus knew that once Thomas fought his way through the wilderness of doubts, he would be the surest man in Christendom. Jesus never says, 
you must have no doubts, but rather you must struggle with your doubts until you reach certainty. Jesus appeared again to Thomas and he said to him, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. That's John 20 and 27. You see, Jesus spoke to Thomas as a sincere disciple whose faith was weak, not as one with an evil heart of unbelief. Thomas's answer was immediate and he fell down prostrate at Jesus' feet and exclaimed with a warm and passionate cry of joy, my Lord and my God. His doubts vanished in the presence of the living Christ, like the morning mist in the sunlight. And I think we can say that Thomas has given assurance to the world. His confession was noble, the most advanced, in fact, made by any of the twelve during the time they were with Jesus. The greatest doubter attained the fullest and firmest belief. Thomas declared his belief in the miraculous by proclaiming the one who is dead is alive. This one who was crucified has become my Lord. He acknowledged Jesus as the Christ. Now you see Thomas emerged stronger because he had doubted. Thomas's faith became strong and vibrant. And tradition has it that he took the gospel to India. Tertullian said about the early Christians, no man would be willing to die unless he knew he had the truth. They would not have died for a dream. They would not have been loyal to a figment of their imagination. See, Thomas emerged victorious and became faithful unto death in his witness for God and we emerge victorious as we wait on God to reveal himself to us and sometimes you know we doubt God we doubt his faithfulness do you remember when you were little and you were learning to ride a bike at first you've got stabilizers on or if you're as old as me, you started on a three-wheeler bike, which was a bit more stable. But at some point, you've got to move on to mastering a two-wheeler bike. Now, as a little person, it's a bit scary, but Dad takes off the stabilizer, stands behind you, and he says, go on, give it a try. So off you go, but you quickly lose your balance and you start to fall. And that's when dad, who's following close behind, reaches out, catches you, puts you back in the saddle and says, go on, try again. Off you go and the same thing happens. And each time dad's there to catch you, stop you hurting yourself and encourage you. And little as you are, you're happy to try again because you've got confidence and trust in your dad. You had faith that he would catch you. 
faith that he would catch you. And since learning to ride my bike, I've fallen down a lot in life. But I've learned that I should trust God, who's faithful when I fall. Yet sometimes I still find myself doubting and wondering if God really cares enough to catch me again. What if he's sick of me because I keep messing up? What if he's had enough of me making the same mistakes again and again and again? Do you feel like that at times? The same mistakes keep cropping up and you confess them to God and you say, Lord, forgive me. Help me not to do that again. I don't want to do it again. Help me, Lord. See, thankfully, God's not like that. God's not the kind of person that we think he is at times. He doesn't get frustrated or annoyed. He doesn't base his faithfulness on my doubts. So if you are like me and sometimes you doubt that God will come through, then you're not alone. You and I are in good company because God's got us. And when I find myself in a season of doubt, I can think about the story of Peter walking on the water to meet Jesus. And you can read that in Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33. Peter had seen Jesus do countless miracles. Yet when Jesus asked Peter to walk out to him, to get out of the boat, Peter had a moment of doubt. And when the doubt crept in, he began to sink. But Jesus didn't just stand there and watch as Peter started to sink into the raging sea. He didn't stand so, oh, you know, there you go. How long have you been with me? How many times you see me do a miracle and you're still doubting? Oh, just, just drown. No, that's not the Jesus who came and died on a cross for us. No, immediately Jesus pulled Peter out of the water and lifted him back into the boat. Peter doubted, but God was faithful. And we can always stand on his faithfulness. So in concluding this morning, uh, I would ask you, do you have doubts? Well, you're not alone and you're not condemned. Keep doing the best you know right where you are. Keep doing the best you know right where you are. Stay faithful. Keep trusting. Keep following. Keep serving. Keep praying. God will reveal himself to you. He will show you the nail prints. And finally, I couldn't finish today without some comment on the violence and the, the racism that continues to plague our world. Because racism, you see, begins with a lack of love. And you cannot love someone like Jesus does and harbour prejudice in your heart toward that person. It's just impossible. We must love everybody the way that Jesus does. And Jesus gets very specific about this. In John 15, 12, he says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And how does Jesus love us? Unconditionally, freely, completely, and continually. 
So how should you and I love other people? Even those of other races who are different to us? Unconditionally, freely, completely and continually. So whatever our doubts may be, as believers in our Lord Jesus, we must never treat people in different ways according to their outward appearance. That's James 2.01. Imagine the difference in our society if everyone loved like Jesus. So let's try to show this kind of love in our daily walk this week. Let's try to be a bit more like Jesus. Let's put our doubts to one side and trust in the faithfulness and the love of our Lord. And if you don't know Jesus in a personal way this morning, then take the opportunity to invite Jesus into your life. And without a doubt, he will not say no. So God bless you. Take care and have a great week.